Hello and a big welcome back to Expected Goals. Uh, we've just witnessed an excellent Brighton performance. 2-0, first clean sheet in eight games now. Charlie Bailey, what did you make of the proceedings from the West Upper today? Yeah, live from the uh, West Upper concourse. Uh, really, really pleased with the result first and foremost. I mean, a clean sheet first in eight games is, is a massive boost for the confidence. And we've witnessed uh, a, a huge moment in history, seeing the great, the great man himself net his first Brighton goal, hopefully the first of many. Uh, Ali Razia Hambash with a, with a really good performance today um, uh, down the right-hand side uh, and looked every bit a Premier League player, which is, uh, which is a pleasing sight. Definitely. Is it is expected goals for the goal that he scored? Uh, 9%, so a real clinical finish for him, which is perhaps testament to you saw a celebration. I'm sure everyone's watched it. Uh, a lot of relief, a lot of uh, emotion coming out in, in that uh, sort of celebration day. What did you make of our game management today? Obviously, uh, a clean sheet, uh, a win having gone ahead, trying to maintain a lead, something we haven't been able to do for a while. What did you make of that today? Testament to, to, to Potter's bottle and his and his uh, game management. Uh, no subs made until quite late in the quite late in the game. Uh, I was hoping that Stephen Alzate might come on uh, to add a bit of composure. Uh, maybe Stevens as well for a bit of steel. And those two, sure enough, did uh, did make an appearance. But it was only after we got our our second goal. I think Potter recognised the importance of staying on the front foot. Uh, I think I think we managed the game pretty well. I don't think they had many clear cut opportunities. I think expected goals. For them was uh, was not particularly uh, was not nothing particularly to worry about. Uh, so I think all in all, I think uh, I think Potter did the right thing in limiting his substitutions towards the end of the game and then kind of slowing the, the pace of it down for the last ten. And and I think obviously uh, results results um, is what is what we're in it for. So a, a very good day. So do you think based on formation wise and this sort of four three three sort of formation um, with a bit of sort of a true midfield, something we might see going forward? Would you like to see it going forward? Yeah, I mean, it, it does show that a lot of people seem to be under the impression that um, Chris Hutton's 4-3-3 was, a, was a, a dead horse that wasn't going to work and it was um, tactical naivety that was just not, uh, was, 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 was not suited to us. But actually, we've shown um, today that it, it, can, it can be very effective. Uh, Johan Bash gave us a lot down the right-hand side. It, was, it, it became a bit of a 4-2-3-1 at times with Moy pressing forward. I was hoping, actually, sort of in the early stages, he would uh, pick up a few more... Um, Good positions between the lines because Bournemouth did press relatively high, but they just, uh, whilst they gave the uh, the space kind of um, vertically, they made sure to cut the passing lane so there wasn't any like uh, opportunities for us to play through the lines too often. Um, but I think against a lot of teams, this kind of four-two-two-two or four-two-three-one uh, can can actually uh, do a lot to hurt teams. Definitely, I think. Just going on, uh, we've just been showing that Aaron Moyes touch map uh, today in, in the West Upper Concourse. Literally everyone in the attacking half, he's pretty much touched the ball. So left-hand side, central of the pitch, right-hand side, everywhere he's made an impact on the pitch today. What did you make of Aaron Moyes today, getting his first goal finally? The sort of really capping off sort of the past few games has been absolutely excellent. Just, just how pivotal has he been and how big a signing could he be perhaps in January or in the summer to get it permanently? I'd love to see him here permanently, to be honest. I mean, watching the, uh, the game on Boxing Day from the comfort of my living room as a bad fan, um, there were, Amazon pundits kind of expressed uh, a wish for Moy to do a little bit more. Um, I, I wasn't really quite sure what they were alluding to. He's been extremely influential over the last few games. Um, away at Arsenal, he was superb. Whether he's playing maybe on the left or right um, in an attacking midfield position or playing in, in, uh, in a central midfield or attacking midfield central spot. Um, he's looked really, really good, classy on the ball, effective with possession. I, I think he's got a good grit to him. I don't think he's a luxury player. I think he's someone who uh, can express um, elements of leadership. And I think he's someone that 
for the right price, and I think the right price now is probably Whatever about 20 million, yeah, want. 25 million. I think I think we should bring him in. So, in regards to Moy, then, do you think he perhaps? I know Gross has dropped today, and we perhaps did miss him a bit based on expected goals. So, based on the result, you could argue didn't miss him at all, creating enough. Do you think he might offer a bit extra alongside Gross? Perhaps someone who's willing to take on players a bit more. Uh, perhaps a dual crossing threat, if you like, a, a perhaps act as a pair. Do you think maybe him and Gross are the way forwards? I, I would. I think that it's hard to fit lots of um, lots of attacking players into any particular. Uh, team, I think that that is a problem that you're going to find as a manager. Um, I think Yahambash has, has shown uh, today that he, you know he's got something to offer. Leandro Trossard, relatively quiet for the majority of the game, but came up trumps with an absolutely phenomenal, uh, phenomenal piece of skill to play in Moy for the second goal, uh, or should I say third goal? We've just um, just now they're uh, alluding to uh, the uh, disallowed VAR decision. Um, for those, um, I assume at this point listening you will have all seen the horror show it, it, it's, it's a farce it's his elbow certainly not clear and obvious I must say um, thankfully we've perhaps undone any possible issues it could have caused with getting a second goal um, obviously I'm aware that earlier on this week someone tweeted out that we had the most VR decisions overturned in our favour so by the law of odds perhaps expect one to go against us but I felt that was so marginal that by that point it, it was no longer clear and obvious what would you make of, of VAR in that, that respect? I, I think um, I think whether it's going in our favour or against us is a little bit of a. It's not something that we should pay too much keen attention to. But you know, it's it comes down to luck. It comes down to um, the particular VAR referee who's in charge, the on-pitch referee. Uh, indeed, how much time you are in the attacking third or defensive third, all those kind of things. How you defend your your set pieces, whether you play a high line, all those things can play uh, play a part. And it's not necessarily one way or other um, uh, which is better. There's more than one way to win a football match, more than one way to attack or defend, as, as Potter rightly knows. And ultimately, I'm unhappy with the, with the level of interference that VAR brings. I, today, it went against us. It was a completely irrelevant uh, marker. The, the play continued and, 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 and was the ball was bouncing around in the box. It wasn't an obvious advantage gained. We've had um, goals ruled out in our favour which I did not expect away at Aston Villa and away at Manchester United. I both saw uh, Matty Ryan came for crosses and was under pressure and, and they got ruled out and I, I was none the wiser as to why I wasn't up in arms. I just, I'm very uncomfortable with, uh, with, with uh, the procedures at the moment and I wish that uh, they, just, they just had more trust in the on-field referees to make the right decisions. I think it's definitely creating a solution to a problem that doesn't really exist by now forcing line, linesmen to keep their flags down. Um, the, the element of human error can be perhaps maintained in a better respect, perhaps the VR is currently doing, but they've spoken about possibly changing the rules in regards to offsides and stuff, so that's probably best not for us to deliberate, but we'll obviously discuss. Um, future, I'll pass you on now to, to future Liam and Charlie to discuss uh, the rest of the game. Hello, this is future Liam and future Charlie speaking. Uh, the dust has settled now from the 2 win against Bournemouth. Uh, and also, of course, since we've last spoken to you, uh, the defeat away at Tottenham uh, on Boxing Day. Charlie, Benny, your, your summarising thoughts uh, after I hope you've had an excellent Christmas. Um, your summarising thoughts on, on those two games. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, been, uh, it's, it's been a kind of, um, yeah, an interesting festive period where you, you want to come out of the hectic schedule with at least some points. I think the trick is the tricky thing is with lots of 
get when the games kind of pile up if you, if you end up losing two three four on the bounce which can happen with the, you know with the demands of, of, the, of the games you know you can you can come out of it you know you know in a very tough spot but you know we could have got more out of the Tottenham game um we played pretty well I was pretty content with how we how we played with especially with the with dunk out of the team and, and a few a few old faces making an appearance once again um but Bournemouth we got exactly what we deserved we really needed to win that game and uh, I'm just glad that we managed to get over the line with uh, with a pretty decent performance to boot as well. Yeah, big time. Um, in regards to the Spurs, I know that they well overachieved their expected goals. I think they were just under one on that. Obviously, testament to the excellent finish, really. I mean, there's ways to lose a game of football. Um, can't have too many complaints. An excellent finish by Deli Ali, who, of course, looks, uh, for all intents and purposes, revitalised under Mourinho. Uh, it's absolutely excellent. So, you know, if you're going to lose a game of football... Um, there's ways you don't mind losing it too much. Uh, I thought Bournemouth were quite poor um, when when we played them. I know we didn't create an over, um, an overly large amount. Our expected goals wasn't too high and lovely for us to be clinical for once as well and actually overachieve that. doesn't feel like we've said that too many times um, this season, but I thought for a side that has worked with for a long time now, they seem just, just a bit bit average really uh, on the eye. Um, haven't looked into too many numbers regarding their performance. So I didn't feel we really needed to. Um, as, as you said, Chai, I thought we were really good, controlled the game um, in large parts. And of course, I think we've got to discuss the elephant in the room, really. Um, Ali Razi Hambash netting his first goal uh, in Brighton of Albion Colours. How did you react at the time, Charlie Benny? I thought I was going to pass out, to be honest. I, I, I couldn't quite believe what I was watching. It was a fantastic finish as well. Really, really well taken drive. Reminded me a little bit of... Uh, Knockouts goal last year at Bournemouth in the, in the cup against Bournemouth. Yes, yeah, I said that. Yeah, just on the other side of the pitch with um, Lockardier sent him up that time. Nice little back heel. Yeah, it wasn't quite as uh, glamorous uh, an assist from uh, from Morpé, but a, a really really smart finish and taken taken with all the confidence of someone who doesn't look like they haven't scored a goal in a year and a half. Um, mm. I was really really pleased for him. You could see how much it meant. Uh, his attitude is obviously spot on. Uh, you know, he's first class first class guy I'm just I just hope that he can kind of kick on and 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 contribute more and more I, I do think that he's there's a footballer in there he's clearly not rubbish like for all the jokes and all the all the fun we like to, to, to we've we've had at, at his expense um you know I would like to go on record and say that he you know not retrospectively I have always felt that he is clearly a decent footballer and and, and I like the fact that he's always remained um, focused and, and, and with a good attitude despite things not really working out for him. Now, the one thing I've always known Ali Jay to have, uh, he showed it against Hyder Silva when he hit the bar, um, I've seen it in clips from him in the Eredivisie, <clears throat> is his ball striking ability. For me, it's always stood out as something he can actually, he can really hit a ball quite well. I know you've picked up on it um, on previous times before. Do you think this might be the way then to, I don't want to use the word unlock, um, to therefore imply, imply that he's previously been locked up by previous managers um, and whatnot. But do you think maybe the way to get the best out of Ali Jay might be to use him as more of a finisher? Perhaps have other players doing the running, the dribbling with the ball uh, and him hitting those first-time those first time finishers? I mean, I, it's definitely a possibility. I think that is one of the key key attributes that I see in him, that he's got a decent strike on him, as you say. I think he, when he picks up uh, the ball in and around the edge of the box, I think he's you know definitely uh, definitely capable of scoring from, from range or... or Unleashing decent shots. So look, I mean, slightly, slightly off the point. I mean, he was playing on the wide right, which is certainly his favourite position, as we've seen from his time in Holland. But I think I, I, I did. I kind of expect him to play up front when I saw the team 
um, I was kind of trying to make sense of, of what we were going to do. I, Potter's conditioned me to to always have something kind of weird and unconventional. Yeah. So I was thinking perhaps um, it, maybe he would feature at left wing back in a, in a in a three back, or I thought he might, you know, just continue his role as a wing back from last season. Yeah, most definitely. <laughs> yeah, or I thought he might be sitting up front with more pay, and then you know, sort of be having what be, be more of a four two two two. But no, pretty standard four two three one. Um, and he featured wide on the right. And that was one of the things that helped us have control of the game because Bournemouth pressed high, but without the conviction to uh, to actually unsettle us and dispossess us in our own half. I think Moy was in absolutely acres of space for the majority of the first half. And I was actually like hoping he would do a little bit more with the amount of space that he was getting in between the lines, both Billing and uh, Gosling, I think the other central midfielder, was pressing up high, but not really having an impact on the game. We were able to play through the lines relatively easily, Pesuma and, and Proper being in a, a good shift. So, um, yeah, all in all, I think the way Potter set it up really worked in our favour. And actually, I think, you know, it's not an exaggeration to say we could have got a lot more goals. Definitely. No, I couldn't agree with you more on that. And he's Pesuma once again, um, standing in and putting another real great shift of uh, performance. I'm sure everyone's seen uh, the gif of him on Twitter. Uh, beating the three players with a scoop, a little dribble. Probably the most Ysbissouma piece of play I've ever seen of beating three players and absolutely harpooning a long ball to no one anywhere near um, a, a teammate. Um, c- cannot deny how good he is um, in terms of technical ability as uh, sort of out- attacking outnumbered. Um, just wish he sort of had not even a final ball about him, just his, his passing range. I think if, if he's a little bit better, um, of course he's likely to develop that in time. Um, I'm not for one second saying he's a finished article. Um, but yeah, if he can develop that that passing range, um, do you think we could quite possibly have our replacement uh, for Dell Stevens in, in that respect? It, it's possible. I, I don't think he'll ever have the kind of measure and and uh, sense to maybe play that kind of role. I think, I, think, I, I think his attacking instincts are a bit too high, a bit too heavy for for him to kind of play that kind of role. I think it's more likely that Alzate or Proper even could uh, could mould more into that role. Um, you know, we're looking at an interesting scenario now where Moy potentially will be joining permanently, we hope, in the summer. No, uh, as per as per the Athletic and Andy Naylor, no formal discussions as of yet and we, we feel we are relaxed about the situation, but um, I expect that we'll, we, we will be um, making contact in terms of trying to make that permanent. We've got McAllister, who, uh, for all intents and purposes, looks like he's on his way next season. So we have another attacking player in, the, in that yes. in that regard. I mean, so we may right. never see Percy Tao, but Alexis McAllister might actually don the blue and white stripes one day. So for all recruitment purposes, I think it's going to be nice to actually see some of these players come off. But um, do you think that's perhaps a testament now to the league that we're in, in the sense that Sometimes you do have to buy these players that might be a commodity that you might just sell on after a few seasons. You think I know a lot of people didn't like it. They were saying, "Oh, what's the point of buying someone we're never going to see?" But if that makes you thirty, forty mil that you can then reinvest somewhere else, do you think that might be what we have to do? I mean, thirty, forty mil might be a bit of a stretch on Percy Tau, but um, I mean, I, I get the point. Is that yeah, you have to you have to operate in a smart business sense. Um, as per Paul, Paul Barber, you know, he said that it was our every intention that every player that we buy does, we buy with a view that they will play for us. Unfortunately, it can't work out like that for everybody, whether it's they turn up and they have, you know, they don't quite hit their ground running. Obviously, Lacadia and Donate 
gone out on loan, done it okay, but you know it doesn't look like a feature in the long term plans. Alexey Hambash has been frozen out uh, for a while up until very very recently. Um, so you know you have to kind of have an eye on on protecting your economic interests all all the while and and giving yourself the best possible opportunity to uh, to do well. I think the point you make about Basuma is you know somewhat relevant in the sense that if we are going to be bringing in more attacking players I'm surprised actually Moy's playing as far forward as he has been I did kind of expect him to maybe be more of a Dale Stevens Davy Proper-esque kind of player but he's actually featured in attacking midfield a lot more um, it might mean that players like Basuma um, Proper Alzate have to uh, evolve their kind of approach and, and, and kind of adapt their game a little bit if they want to if they want to spot in the team and that comes down to you know what we've talked about with regards to the versatility that Potter likes, you know, it is a big plus for him if you can play multiple positions. I think players have to have an open mind and have to have to show themselves to be willing to learn and try new things if they want to if they want a spot in the team. They, you know, I don't think he'll take too kindly to someone who will say, "I play one position. That's that's all, that's what that's my job. That's what I'll do." Matty Ryan might get away with it, but uh, other just about that, just about. I think. Uh, he he likes he likes players who are willing to learn and try things new. By the way, I'd love to see what sort of sprint speeds uh, Matty Ryan clocks because when Moy put that second goal in, I think I blinked once and Matt Ryan was at the other end of the pitch. He absolutely <laughs> takes off, doesn't he? That it's his um, buddy. It's his Australian. It is, yeah. yeah. You, you little ripper, after all. Um, no, I thought thought that was excellent. Um, bit of obviously national team sort of camaraderie um, in in that respect. But it's, it's been a while, hasn't it? I'd like to see sort of. Um, you know his total exits for the season for for goals scored um, be be absolutely fantastic. Um, but just linking back to what you said um, about Bournemouth and stuff um, and sort of their high press. Just looking at some numbers, um, they actually recovered the ball more times than, than we did. Um, however, the majority of their recoveries um, they had eighty two to our seventy eight. Only nine for them came in the final third, as you were saying. They did press quite high, um, but I think we really helped ourselves in scoring early because I was saying. Um, said to my dad at the time, actually, that the team like Bournemouth that have done so well and been built on this counter-attacking um, sort of fundamental uh, for many seasons now that they've sort of taken teams apart, even taken us apart with it before, um, to score early and perhaps force them to come out of their shell a bit more, if you like, to, to make them come out and play. Uh, it's perhaps sort of the ideal scenario um, to sort of bring yourself into uh, in order to try and get a result against them. We've already talked a bit about centre mid, so shall we move on to the dream team element, Charlie Benny? I thought that was a perfect segue there. I was just thinking exactly the same thing, and and, and here we are. Great minds think alike. Excellent. Um, yeah, let's do it. Um, so once again, we are back with Graham Potter's dream eleven. Um, we're moving on to the centre centre of midfield. Um, so we've got two spots in a in a three four three. Uh, we've um, or or kind of a five two three, if you if you will. We've already done the entirety of the back line. Our uh, right wing back, centre back three centre-backs, left wing-back and the goalkeeper. So now we're going to move on into midfield. Um, I, I think I'll, um, I'll, th- I'll throw it straight to you. Do you, um, do you want to, uh, do, do you want to, do you, do you want to hit us with any, uh, any, for, any initial suggestions? Go on then, I will. Before I do, I'll just let um, the, the people know the results uh, of, of the left wing-back. Apologies oh, yeah. for my misspelling um, on the poll that I realised. Another misspelling. Uh, the, the misspelling this time was somehow with a three-letter word, well, not even a word, abbreviation. I managed to misspell left wing back. I want to put it down to my phone and autocorrect it with it being LBW, um, which is just testament to my annoyance at how much cricket has ruined my life over the past week with England just failing in South Africa. 
Um, but keeping on on a football note, uh, Wayne Bridge is expected um, took took the biscuit with sixty eight percent of the votes. Um, Sebi Pocognoli did better than I thought he would. I think he got about fifteen to twenty percent. Um, and of course, a few of these players might get another bite at the cherry, if you like. Uh, proper commentary phrase that. Um, but perhaps a spot on the bench. Um, but Bridges, you expect, uh, would would have been excellent to see him under Potable. Um, really think he, he could have been something good. Um, but that's you know just just a victim of circumstance there. So in regards to centre mids, uh, it'd be criminal not to. I, I, I've sort of um, flown the flag for him for a, a long time now. So I've got to throw Dale Stevens' name into the mix. I know it's an obvious one. Um, but looked at a couple of numbers of him um, before we start recording. Averages 62 passes per game um, this season with 90% pass accuracy. So really good with his pass volume and pass accuracy. Um, but good with a long ball as well. Um, 5.3 long balls per game uh, with a 70% long pass accuracy, which pretty much three out of four, I think, is, is an excellent return. Um, of course, set up Neil Mapai um, for his goal against Wolves with an excellent clip over the top. Um, epitomises possible. In, in a lot of respects in regards to um, his perhaps ability to, to play out, be that link player, that, that pivot player that we've talked about before. Um, just a really integral part. And as you say before, perhaps a bit more of a leader as well, um, that identity that we're looking for. So I think Del Stevens has got to be thrown into the mix, really. Yeah, I completely agree. I think he is the perfect potable player, if, if you forgive the use of the, of, of the term. I, Potter loves him. He said himself that he loves him. He says that he's so important. But um, he's still not Premier League quality because blokes in the West Upper don't think he's good enough. But, you know, well, obviously not. He's obviously no, he's... not Premier League quality. But, you know, he's somehow also managed to become an integral part of our of our Premier League team. He, yeah, of, of three seasons worth of Premier League football now. But he's not good enough. He is uh, an exceptional footballer. His, his technical ability is far above what people... Um, believe uh, it's, it's important to remember that he hasn't always been such a deep lying midfielder he was very much a box to box even attacking midfielder at Charlton and when he first mm. joined racking up quite a few assists used to take our um, our set pieces Ujoa yes. clattering home many many a set pieces I remember at Charlton he scored that worldly goal didn't he from range as well um, I think it was like a volley or a half volley he scored at, at the Valley um, uh, and yeah. a good good goal scorer is sort of we've seen um, pops up with a few goals. But I think, as you say, people underestimate how hard it is to play a long ball for 60, 70 yards accurately. It might look easy. I can assure you it's very, very difficult. Um, but, but you know, p- people won't rate him. But, yeah, have you got anyone to throw in alongside Dale Stevens? Yeah, I, I mean, he is someone who I think is, you know, so so important to our current team. And I think that, he, you know, he's definitely worth, worth a shout. I was kind of... I mean, I think I think our current options in Davy Proper, Stephen Alzate. Uh, we talked about Alzate as a kind of archetypal um, Potter kind of player, so I feel like maybe he deserves a mention. But looking beyond that, just try and steer away from it if we can. Um, yeah, what 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 I want to feature in terms of technical ability, I think I think there's a there's an argument for Andrea Orlandi. David Lopez, who've done who've done very well, um, Liam Brigcut slightly more in the mould of um, of Dale Stevens. So in terms of you probably will want a little bit of balance in that midfield, um, and then and then Charlie Oatway and Andrew Crofts, who are two very influential figures, big personality on the pitch. Uh, Andrew Crofts and and Oatway captain the side at various yes. points. Um, and and not bad footballers either. Andrew Crofts, um, especially I think uh, Oatway. 
known for being a bit of a tough tackler. Only uh, I, I was having a bit of a look. Only eight goals in his in his Brighton career, so it's not not loads and loads. More of a it's not a bad return. Do you know that um, Andrew Cross is actually part of our twenty-five man squad this season? I know he's managing the twenty-threes. Yeah, so he's so part he's of it. So a current option as well. So he he is. He is someone who should we see injuries or suspensions to our sort of midfield contingent. Uh, could see Andrew Cross once again donning the, the blue and white stripes. But Bridcut, as you mentioned, was someone that I put down as well. Um, I sort of was looking a bit more defensively. And as you say, I think balance is sort of the key word in this, that you're going to probably have to exclude someone on the basis that if you're going for a defensive minded option, OK, then you balance that. Um, Johan Cruyff talks about it um, excellently in his book of players that complement each other. So you get that defensive minded player one side, lets you have someone who might be a bit more um, advanced, someone like Aniv's Basuma to put alongside it. So yeah, I'd, I'd definitely echo your um, opinions on Liam Bridcup. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, this is a very. I'm going to throw another controversial one in. Um, we love it. Yeah, I, I don't think this is going to be particularly well received. Um, for what it's worth, I didn't think he was a particularly bad player. Um, I don't think it really worked out. I wonder what he's up to now. Actually, um, it's Danny Holler. I thought. Um, oh, okay. I, I mean, I don't, I don't. You know, not as we said, we're not really looking for. We're not really considering the 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 quality the highest quality players. We're not thinking about the ones who. Um, it's supposed you know, fit the system, isn't it? It's not just yeah. yeah it's not exactly. just the best eleven. And he That'd was a really, really good footballer in terms of his his technical ability. Yeah, uh, a really good striker the ball. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. I think he was a little bit caught in between, um, stylistically, what he kind of stood for. He wasn't particularly tough tackling, and he wasn't particularly. Um, very Dutch in the way he played, wasn't he? Very much like Davy Proper. Reminds me a little bit of Granite Xhaka, to be honest. Yes. Say, I mean, just he looks like him as well. Loved it. Does he? I can't really remember what I feel he like he looks a bit like... Um, I, I just remember that Ince um, Holler partnership that somehow kept us up under Sammy Hippier. Um, <laughs> and it was actually probably our best sort of partnership in the team at the time. I, I definitely think there's, there's a shout for that, but that, that was an excellent sort of partnership. Um, I'm not sure we can really throw Rowan Ince in there after my suggestion to put him at centre-back was um, <laughs> ignored. On the contrary to that, I don't think, despite what Leeds fans would argue, I can't see an argument. I've written Ben White in defensive mid with a question mark next You've to it. We've already got him in, um, We him. do, we do, so we can't progress him any further. Is he that good? Um, We'd have to have him in He twice. just plays two positions, yeah. Even he, he's so good. He hasn't played for us Our yet. best centre-back yeah. and our best centre-mid as well. Um, so cool. I definitely think Steams and Bridcut have to take it. I did put Tudor Baluta down as well. Um, someone had an excellent um, okay. summer with, with the Romanian 21s. Hasn't really done a lot in the 23s I'm aware of. I've watched him play a few times. Um, definitely seems physically um, similar to Stevens in, in fairly tall. Looks like he can sort of move the ball quite well. Um, but he was one that I was practically expecting to see um, come through with Potter in the way that Alzati and Connolly have. I know a lot of people sort of raved about him in the summer. Um, he's perhaps plateaued a little bit, but he's young. He's got time. So maybe one for the future. That might be a bit soon for Tudor Bluter. But who, who do you think alongside Stevens and Brickhart Charlie for, for the shortlist? Yeah, I think so. I think I, I, I kind of considered Alze as a, as, a, as, a, as a prime option also in terms of like what he brings as a Potter kind of player. But if we're looking for more defensive kind of minded options, I think those four, it's hard to look past in, in recent memory, I think. Um, oh, should I throw one more in? Do you remember about like. Yes. Oh, he was very, he was quite flair. He, you know, he did quite, he was good on the ball. Good. So. I do that? No, I'm not Jar. I'll stick. I won't twist. Let's go with let's go with the four. So that's Bridcut, Stevens, Crofts, and Oatway. I think we'll stick with an honourable mention. There's there's no real um, sort of curveball one in that either. So it'll be interesting to see um, see the responses we get with 
with no sort of left wing option, as you say. Um, building on that, should we have a quick chat about since it being obviously um, comes the end now of of the um, of the tens decade? Um, some perhaps nominations for season of the decade. I've written a few down here. Um, I'll throw a couple at you. Um, be hard to look past. Obviously, Knockout's sixteen seventeen championship season. Gross's 17-18 season, first in the Prem. Um, a season, of course, where he was excellent. Um, and Brickcut in 11 and 12. Um, can, you, mm. can you think of many more sort of options for the season of the decade? Yeah, yeah I mean, I, th- I think Elliot Bennett's season um, in our promotion to, to the championship, he was phenomenal. He was really, really good. Big shot. Uh, yeah, he he was absolutely fantastic. I mean, to be fair, literally any of that team was was. Yeah, was, definitely noteworthy. Had a great season. Uh, Calderon had a fantastic sk- season. Scored loads of goals. Ashley Barnes, um, Glenn Murray, just all had great seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, that's kind of a that's kind of a tough one. You know, I, I, I maybe Bennett <clears throat> as as maybe just the a little a cut above, but they were all great. Um, going through. Sort of the more recent, yeah, knockout sixteen seventeen. He was absolutely championship player of the year one as well. Because um, didn't that really rattle? Was it Leeds fans? Was it Leeds fans? Or it was Wolves fans or someone? Because I think it was someone like Ruben Nevers. They argued should have got it. Oh no, was it Wolves fans? I honestly can't remember who it was now. Um, but whoever it was, um, it really rattled someone because they thought they should have got it. Um, which which made me laugh at the time. And of course, Gross with sort of fifteen goal involvements in his first season for three million. Um. Arguably one of the best buys we've ever made. Um, who, of course, is just a set piece merchant who's too slow. But um, hmm. but yeah, that's that's Pascal Gross. Um, so, if you've got any other ideas for players um, for who had a particularly good season um, this decade, uh, you'd like to throw forward, please do let us know on Twitter. Um, shall we move on now to what was formerly a series of unfortunate events since Alirezi Hambash has last scored? But of course, that series is now. Um, Deceased, for lack of a better word, um, with his excellent finish, which we've already discussed um, against Bournemouth. Um, which, of course, if there's going to be any way to win the series, um, a finish of that quality uh, is something I can't really complain about. So I had a bit of a brainstorm on the train coming back. Um, and before I get to actually, something that was really random that I saw in the New Year's honours list, Aaron Hughes has got an MBE now. Um, I can't think of any other former Brighton players that have been given a award at that level. Can you, Charlie? No, I, I can't. I did see that as well, actually. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure if I can think of any others who who do have MBEs. To be fair, no. no I thought, thought that's pretty the impressive. Only one, though. I'm pretty sure he must. There must be others. Must be someone somewhere. M- maybe Matthew Upson's got one um, for that for scoring goal with his face. Um, see, I brainstormed a few ideas on the train coming back. Um, I th- I considered renaming it. Um, so what I did was I, I tried to basically rip off um, a TV game show the best that I could. Um, I considered renaming it to, instead of the million pound drop, the 17 million pound flop on about Alirezi Hambash. Um, but the, the two that I've settled on, and what, what I think we'll do is, because they're both quite short ones compared to previously, and I'll explain the premise of them to you in a second. Um, we'll give both of them a go, and we can put a poll up and see which one people prefer, or we can possibly do both each week. So the first one that I thought of, um, I was buzzing with this name, by the way, um, was Strictly Come Lancing, of course, and, and knock off on Strictly Come Dancing, Lancing being where the training ground was. Um, and the premise for this this one is, I'd take five players um, from the most previous game that we played, 
and like Katie and Strictly Come Dancing, where their performances are voted by the judges, you'd be the judge, Charlie. And compared to Sofa Score and their app, by the way, this is an excellent app for anyone that's new into analytics or just wants a bit of an easier um, viewpoint on stuff. Use the app is absolutely excellent. Um, you get so much data on each game. You can look at stats for each player. Um, you get a nice heat map as well, which a lot of places don't do, so that can be quite useful, especially with with how fluid possible it is that we've talked about. Um, so yeah, I thought we'd we'd give Strictly Come Dancing a go. I'd give you five players, and you'd have to guess as close to um, their sofa score rating as as you could. So should we give it um, a little try? Yeah, let's 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 do it. I mean, God, <laughs> I mean, I could get I can give it a go, but. Yeah, we'll see how it I, I think you should back yourself a, a bit bit higher. Um, you, you had some very good performances uh, on a series of unfortunate events since Alirazi Hambash last scored. So th- this one shouldn't be too hard. The ratings out of 10, um, I believe they sell on the app. They use over 100 metrics to determine it. So it will be things like pass accuracy, um, right. big chances created. Basically, you, you imagine the, the better you play in a statistical standpoint, um, the higher your rating is going to be. Obviously, areas leading to goals or fouls, bookings, whatever, will knock points off. Uh, effectively, a bit like an FPL score, um, if you like, just in a in a different numerical format. Um, so, of course, it would be wrong to overlook Alirazi Hambash as the first one. What do you think he got um, out of 10? And I should also note as well, I don't think a player being subbed off influences their, their score at all. Okay. Um, and I assume, are they like quite, so they're done with stats, so are they quite specific? So are they like, not yeah, they're, they're to a decimal right. point. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, to one decimal point. Uh, and I'll give you perhaps 0.5 either way, like if you're within the bracket of 0.5. I think, I think maybe less. Do you think that's generous? Do you think less? Yeah, okay. like one or two, I think. If, well, if I'll, I'll, I'll give you, okay, I'll give you 0.1 either way. We'll, we'll see, we'll see. I'll give you 0.1 um, either way to start. So, Johan Bash, goal, worked hard. Uh, I saw your graphics, um, obviously very good graphics, everyone obviously go and check them out if you're not following the page and what you're doing they're just just think it's great disclaimer uh, they aren't mine but they are excellent graphics i do do yeah, borrow them but yeah you are the, the a phenomenal provider of graphics I, thank I, you I, charlie um, yeah uh no no accurate crosses out of eight i believe but i will say they more anecdotally i thought they who put the ball into good areas they were, were good areas i'd fully agree with you the pace on them as well i thought was had someone got at the end of it, would have been a decent cross to create a chance. So, yeah. Obviously, doesn't like come out in the stats. So, just, you know, just something to think about in terms of when you when you look at stats versus when you watch the game. Yes. Uh, it was the one say... he put in a couple of minutes on, wasn't it, as well? It was sort of like one of his first interactions with the ball um, was quite positive, I thought, within sort of fizzing across him. Mm. No, yeah, I think I think he did um, create a lot of decent uh, attacking openings, to be fair. I think he, I think he, uh, Outshone Trossard, to be fair, for the most part of the game, despite Trossard's phenomenal assist was the end of the game. Anyway, Which I still thought I was deflected. To, uh, I need to, I need to um, make a guess. So I'm going to say with a goal uh, and a probably quite decent pass completion, um, apart from the crosses, of course, it's probably... Only 70% is pass accuracy. Mm, okay, but potentially quite a Not few... I'm trying to open your score, but yeah. Um, I'll say... With a goal, if you score, you've got to be quite high. I think maybe like, not eight, so like seven, seven point six. Oh, well, you're within, you're within the range. You're seven point five, so that's that's right. a point. Okay, that's a, yeah, that's a strong okay. start. Uh, the other goal scorer on the day, Aaron Moy. What, what would you give him out of out of ten? He, he got into the, he got in the team of the week, so mm. it's got to be a relatively high. 
um, obviously like various stats sites do you know use different metrics and things but I saw he made it into at least one team of the week I'm not sure if it was yeah I think so your one that you're referring to now it's got to be higher with a goal and 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 his, his chance creation and 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 things like that. I think it's got to be eight eight point eight maybe eight point four five or you're just out is 8.2 you're very close was that it oh okay fair enough yeah yeah so I think he got dispossessed a couple of times um yeah a I couple guess. of shots off target might limit that as well um yeah, yeah possession lost 24 times so no, really? look at that how you want but then when you're making sort of five chances and scoring you can get away with that I think a bit more um so no score on that one but half marks in okay so far um Thought an interesting one, Shane Duffy, someone who's been a bit um, sort of behind the scenes this season. Um, what did you make of him? So he he got dispossessed uh, at, at one point um, against King. Uh, King sort of raced away from him, so that wasn't a great moment. Um, but towards the end of the game, when they went, you know, very half-hearted kind of approach, uh, he made a lot of headed clearances, which I think probably would have like bumped his score up a bit. But I can't imagine it being... If Ali raises what seven point five, I think Duffy. I think maybe something like clean sheet. It's maybe seven out of ten. Bang on seven point zero on fire. Oh, yes. You know what I'll do? I'll give you two points if you get the exact score, and I'll give you one point if it's within point one. So I think I think if you hit it bang on, that's pretty impressive. Um, so there you go. Ease Basuma, what do you think he he scored? Um, we spoke about his sort of excellent performance in. Yeah, uh, attacking good. out ability. Very good performance. Lots of ball recoveries. Um, on, on a second watch, uh, won the ball back. Lots, uh, lots of, lots of good, uh, lots of good work. Uh, transitioning the ball uh, between the lines and finding Aaron Moy in lots of space. Proper as well. Lots of good interceptions. I have to say. Um, I think, unfortunately, it would be a ten if uh, for, just for the skill alone that you dink the ball over. Over Billing, who is uh, that's no mean feat, by the way. He no, he's back. quite tall, Philip Billing. His hair as well. He's got like pot noodle hair, doesn't he? So, yeah. so I mean, yeah, I think I think Basuma got to be like, I mean, Ali Razor scored and he got seven point five. So I think it's going to be like what seven? Yeah, seven point one or two. He got seven point six. Um, so he scored in quite highly. More than Ali. I, I know he did do quite well in terms of um, it was quite frequent in his take ons and stuff. So I think that might boost his score up a bit more which just goes yeah. to show evidently they don't whether you think it's stupid or not that they don't perhaps value scoring as highly they you know it's, it's um, down to interpretation um, so a bit off the mark on that one but you weren't too far away um, and there's again someone we've mentioned as well which I think we talk about every podcast uh, Stephen Alzate who came off the bench um, only played 10 minutes but created two chances in that time um, what would you have, have given him um, what did you make of Alzate when he came on I, th- I think he did pretty well. I mean, the game was kind of not over, but you know, it was a, it was a case of like seeing things out and and just keeping a kind of stranglehold over things. Um, and and uh, Stevens and Alzate did did exactly that. You know, they showed a calming influence. Uh, I think he's a phenomenally talented individual. I think he's kind of similar yeah. to Basuma in terms of like his raw potential is very very high. I think he looked very naturally gifted footballer. If you said he created two chances, uh, I think that probably you know will do me a favour in terms of despite having limited time on the pitch. I think we made this up relatively late. I mean, we didn't maybe, yeah, maybe you know it was probably like less than definitely less than ten minutes to go of, of normal time. Um, I'm going to say 
with the with the, maybe 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 just like a seven no six point six point nine out of yeah you've been bang on with seven you got an exactly got a seven oh, um, no. <laughs> god uh, still still a point score so that's that's um four points four points to make that so that's that's not a bad start for your um first effort at shortly come lancing um a very strong start so we'll give the the other game element a go as well um Another name I thought of was a bit of a spin-off on uh, Are You Smarter Than a 10-Year-Old of Are You Faster Than Pascal Gross? But I didn't really know yeah. how to um, fit that into yes, a, a, a game. Yeah, well, everyone is, apparently. Yeah, the um, same answer applies to everyone who's... Who yes, it's, it's, a, it's a yes. Um, this one I was particularly happy with. Um, I, I won't tell you what it's a spin-off from because you'll probably get it straight away. Um, the game is Neil or No Neil. <laughs> a, a spin-off on Deal or No Deal um, with Neil Mapai as the, sort of the figurehead. Um, of course, spells his name the uh, European way of spelling Neil, um, N-E-A-L. So I'm going to give you a statistic or an event or something, and you've got to tell me if it belongs to Neil or no Neil if it doesn't belong um, to Neil, if, if that makes sense. Um, it does. Do you understand the rules, Charlie Benny? I do understand the rules. Excellent. We, we shall proceed. Um, so question one. Uh, he's Brentford's most profitable player in the sense that they've made the most profits uh, on him as a player that they've bought and then sold on. Um, that is effectively a good, a good question. I think I think it's by the way, these are stats uh, from this question is taken from um, a book called The Expected Goals Philosophy, which is an excellent book. Um, I'd encourage everyone to go out there and buy it. Um, Brentford have talked about a lot in terms of um, money and data analytics in football, um, and they're an excellent club to sort of have a look at. Um, so yeah, basically just uh, transfer fee sold for and money paid for the player. Um, Subtracted, yeah. Do you think he's their most he's their most profitable player? That's yeah. That that is a pretty good. Um... If it helps, they spent one point eight million on him from Saint Etienne. In which case, that that is basically what's helped because I was I was thinking about how much he actually cost. Um, I th- I think that's got to be their most profitable, surely. Because so you you think it's Neil. Yeah, I wasn't quite sure how much they paid for him. That was the only like doubt in my mind. But now you've told me it's that. That's basically made my mind up for me. Yeah, okay, I think... well, you that's that's a, that's a point. You're spot on there. He is um, made a profit of eighteen million on him. Uh, this is according to a twenty million pound transfer fee um, that, that we paid for him. Uh, second was Andre Gray, and third was Scott Hogan. So interesting to see that um, three mm. sort of small, fast strikers. Uh, or actually, Andre Gray's not that small. I think he's about six foot. But three strikers, they made a lot of profit on. Um, Absolutely excellent at their sort of recruitment. Uh, I know they got rid of their academy, Brentford, actually. So they actually haven't got an academy in place now. They just sort of pick up the scraps from um, other London clubs. So, yeah, one point on Neil or no Neil so far. So, question two. He has the highest expected goal chain this season for Brighton players. Expected goal chain being, um, for anyone who's unaware listening, uh, if you take the total uh, of all the possessions that the player is involved in that lead to a shot, the total expected goals for all of those. So, if they're involved in five um, five possessions that lead to shots of 0.2 expected goals. They'd be have an expected goal chain of one. Um, it can be any involvement that can be taking the shot, can be the first pass in the build-up, can be assisting it, can be whatever. Is this the over the season? The total, so not a per ninety figure. Total um, over the course of the season. Okay. Um, his involvement has been relatively heavy. Um. I think he has scored from very close range, which has 
which has helped his XG. Um, and obviously, uh, admittedly, that that is part of you know the, the chain kind of element to it. Kind of adds a, adds a different dimension. Uh, but in terms of things that he's involved with, like at least somewhat directly. And of course, by the way, um, we haven't really touched on it, but his sort of hold-up play against Bournemouth in in a loose format was really, really good. Um, I think he actually held on. He set up, obviously, assisted Yehambash and um, had a role, I believe, um, in the build-up to the second hold as well. That It's sort of quite a modern way of being a hold-up striker, of running up players with the ball, um, but at a pace that Connolly does really well with sort of his low-touch frequency, uh, sorry, high-touch frequency of small touches um, to sort of draw a player um, closer towards their own goal. And then, obviously, he did spin around and lay off to Yehambash. So I thought um, his ability to perhaps... Know whether they've worked out the training ground or not, of be able to drive at players, also know when when to release. I thought that was excellent. Yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna say Neil for that one. I'm afraid it's not Neil on that one. Oh. Would you like to have a guess at who is the top player? This Aaron, will surprise you. Aaron Moy. Close. Davros proper. Oh come on. And, <laughs> and Davy Prop has got 7.64 expected goal chain. Mapai 7.42. So not Ooh. a massive difference between them. Um, but perhaps it goes to show perhaps Proper's bit uh, undervalue um, in, in Potter. I know he gets a lot of stick for giving the ball away sometimes and stuff, but I definitely think he's coming to his own a bit more. Uh, Gross is in third um, with 6.02. Um, of course, all, all from set pieces. Um, all <laughs> of those are. They're not actually for anyone listening who's going to think that. Um, you like this question. Uh, the most frequent shooting Frenchman in the Premier League. Ooh. So, Frenchmen who like a shot. I know that uh, Lacazette has a very high... So, is, is this total shots? This is shots per 90, not oh, total. Okay. This is shots per 90. Yeah, Lacazette is a very frequent shooter. Yes. Um, if I told you Lacazette's in the top three, mm. that might inform your decision. I know this is kind of from my FPL kind of of course knowledge. Uh, yeah, so I know I know Lacazette is a quite a frequent shooter. Um, I'm just I'm just considering who else. Hmm. I am kind of ta- he is a very very high volume of shots. I think he's something like top ten for total shots taken or something like that. Um, yeah, I'm gonna say. Yeah, I'm gonna say it is him. I think so. You, you'd be correct. It is him indeed. Um, Lacazette definitely uh, is up there. Anthony Martial as well. Um, they're the top three. I'm not sure what order it is. is Mapai is number one. When I checked earlier, uh, they're both averaging around three shots per game. I think it is. Um, I did put up a graphic as well just for the Bournemouth game. Um, I'll retweet that so people can see it. Um, of Mapai's sort of shot breakdown um, over the course of the season. Interesting to see. Um, Obviously, as you'd expect, his expected goals to go up with the more shots that he takes. Um, with the exception of when he got those three and three. Um, I think it was against Palace. He only had two shots, but recorded like his highest expected goals of the season. Because as you mentioned, um, the chance that he scored from, um, I think probably about 10 yards out. But obviously an excellent finish. Um, and of course, the one that he missed when um, Goethe dropped the ball. Um, again, contributing to his touch in the box and stuff. So you're on two out of three so far. Decent. Question number four. He's never missed a penalty in his career. Ooh. I haven't seen him miss a penalty. I've, I know. I mean, in fairness, I've only seen him take a couple. He's taken eight in his career. Um, 
there's obviously the one um obviously he's scored one for for the Albion and also he's um he's uh, netted one against Leeds which uh is a nice iconic yes and, iconic uh, that one giving them a nice a nice cool stare um I know, I, so I know it doesn't really help in any way, but there is also an, an, a quite a popular clip of him missing an absolute sitter in which he goes Yes, past. against Cardiff. Yeah, goes by. Yeah, and, and <laughs> he's got two yards out, yeah. Literally does, you know, takes many liberties getting as close yes. as he can. And I think, all right, you know, don't, don't, don't take the mick too much, mate. And then he manages to belt it. Doesn't belt even it put it on target, yeah. Uh, has he missed a penalty? Yes, one penalty, I'm going to say. So you're saying no nil? Yes, I am. I'm afraid you'd be wrong. He's never missed a penalty in his career. Good boy. That's which I, I think like. is quite an impressive stat. Hopefully, one that remains for a while. Um, which I thought was impressive. I think I can't remember if I did. I think I tweeted it out when we played Everton um, when he scored because Pickford had like the best penalty saving record in the in the Premier League um, mm. last season. So it was obviously like one of the one of the people with a very good um, penalty record. Um, against someone with such a good penalty saving record is always always good entertainment. Um, question number five then. The, the last question on Neil or no Neil. Of the top 20 expected goal scorers in the Premier League, he's got the smallest difference between expected goals and goals scored. Hmm. That's, a, that's an interesting question. So uh, his high volume of shots almost doesn't come into it because the high volume of shots can also come from quite wayward area. Yeah, so his expected goals isn't that high per shot. It's about 0.15, so it's not particularly mm-hmm. high. In which case, you know, so it doesn't, you know, his high volume of shots doesn't contribute to a high... Yeah, you, you'd need, if you had, you need, what, 20 0.05 expected goal shots to register one goal. And if you score one out of those, then obviously that's... So you're saying he's got, you know, you're asserting he does or, you know, it's one of, obviously one of the other. So that you're saying, does he have the closest... Yes, the, the the smallest margin in difference between expected goals and actual goals. Is he the best to his expectations? Hmm. I so yeah, this this is tricky because as as I was saying about how you'd um yeah you can't really use his, his shot volume and and uh, to kind of get into that. I, I I think he, I think he's, I think he probably is more or less, you know, close to like his expected goals, and I think he's probably roundabout performing what he's meant to be. I, I'm not sure if he's over or underperforming. Can't think of him missing too many sitters. I don't know if the one against Palace might like distort it a little bit because you know that has gone down as a big chance, but it wasn't necessarily, um, you know, it was it was quite hard to kind of react in that kind of way. Uh, he, he missed one at. It's not, not a textbook big chance, is it? Yeah, it's not a textbook one. Yeah. One at Newcastle, he missed. Uh, he should have passed to Alzate. But yeah, I, I'm going to say. I'm gonna, no. I'm going to say he no. It's he doesn't have the the smallest margin. You're, you're saying no nil. Okay, no you nil. you be you be correct. Um, Sterling has the smallest difference. Uh, Nilma Paz is only about 0.7. Um, the difference, as you say, that one against Palace might actually be. Um, sort of difference. Um, Ashley Barnes has a slightly smaller difference as well, of course, um, as we've okay. already mentioned, um, the ex-Brighton striker. Of course, famous for um, his um, enjoyment of us gaining three points uh, when we won that game in the Cup. I can't remember who we played, mm-hmm. but he got interviewed after the game and said, great to get the three points uh, in a Cup game. Uh, and Raul Jimenez, who of course is on fire, um, yeah. 26 goal of arms, I think, in all competitions this season, which is mental, um, yeah. as it's not even on- January. 
He is ridiculously good. Sitting very comfortably in my fantasy team at the moment. Yes, same for me. And creating chances at a really high rate for a striker as well. So you sort of see his name popping about right up at the top and you think, this isn't someone who sits deep. This is someone who's creating from from a forward role. So um, a good performance in the, you there, Charlie Benny. Um, that'd be 60% marks, three out of five. So um, excellent from you there. And that is all today from um, no nil or no nil. Um, from Strictly Come Lancing as well. So I hope people enjoyed those uh, new games uh, as obviously a series of unfortunate events is that Resi Hambash's last scored uh, has expired with its shelf life. Um, and hopefully... He'll continue to score and his one goal won't be um, solitary in in a few weeks. Yes, yeah, exactly, exactly. Once he gets shipped out on loan and doesn't score anymore, we can we can restart it, most definitely. Um, but that's been all from me today. Charlie, what anything else to say to the listeners before we depart? Um, on, the, on the subject of FPL, I'd like to take this opportunity for a not-so-humble brag. I just want to flex a little bit. I had a very nice week. I didn't at all. Plummeted. I got very lucky because... Uh, uh, I had a vice captain save save me because Vardy, of course, was absent because his um, selfishly he was with his wife as she as she gave birth. Yes, congratulations. But like, come on, Jamie, I I don't expect to see this in the future because it's important stuff on the line. There's a lot of mini leagues that I need to uh, not I need to win. So I'm up up to sixty six thousandth overall. Oh wow, that's excellent. I'm like eight hundred k now. I've been absolutely battered. Um, in in the two weeks before this, right? So, um, last week the average was forty nine. I got seventy five points. Largely due to Trent Alexander Arnold getting literally a third of my points. You um, say, don't have him. <laughs> and also the week before that, the average was thirty eight points. And I got fifty six. Um, down to the man himself, Jamie Vardy, Raheem Sterling, and uh, that was when Blades beat us as well. So I got eighteen points from Dean Henderson uh, yeah. and Lundstrom as well. Um. So, yeah, very sad that my impressive form has, has declined. Um, but we'll, we'll bounce back in, in big 2020. Very good. Um, yeah, so thanks very much for listening, guys. Um, go vote on the poll. Not not so much a unconventional option for you this time, but, you know, do it in spirit, whatever you're feeling, you know, might be a bit of a quirky one. Just uh, just, just make sure you vote for that on my behalf. Um, yeah, and, yeah, thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you very soon for the next episode. Most definitely. We, we'd like to place officially on record as well our um, gratitude at Ali Rizzi Hambash finally scoring um, that we could not be could not be happier for the man. Um, and we wish him all, all the best. Uh, and hopefully that, that does, as we say, become the first of many goals um, to, to really sort of firmly bury the series now. Um, you know, really sort of kill it off. Um, but yeah, I can only, can only echo what Charlie said. Please do go and vote on the poll um, and we will see you for the next episode. Yeah.